We're living in the age of podcasting, which also means the age of podcast networks with large back catalogs, long-running series, limited programming, and even cross-network collaborations. How are publishers supposed to keep this all organized? With Spreaker, of course. Spreaker's customizable publisher plan lets you organize your content exactly how you want it and gives you enough pod tech tools to monetize the largest back catalogs. If you're into premium offerings for subscribers, check out Spreaker's customized RSS feeds to upload and schedule exclusive content with ease. Or use our campaign manager to manage different campaigns from one central platform. Once your podcast business gets big enough, you can even add multiple networks to one account and collaborators assigned to each one. That helps keep the true crime series away from the comedy podcasts and make sure you get the advertisements that will resonate the most with your listeners. So let's move from the age of podcasting to the age of the podcast network with Spreaker. Head to Spreaker.com to learn more. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Welcome to the Portrait on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, following the example of the Book of Acts Church, taking a deeper look taking a deeper look sorry, little flustered. Just before I went on the air, one of my hard drives failed. And it happened to be the one with all the intro music and everything else. So I had to go looking and just got it done in time. So here we are. Everything's working, except for me. Book of Acts Church, I'm sure they stumbled and stuttered and messed up every now and then. I mean, Paul preached so long a guy fell out of a window. Anyway, this is where we get back to basics, following following the example of the Book of Acts Church, restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining that world-shaking influence the early church had. And we do that by taking a look at the Word. We don't water it down. We don't filter it through denominational nonsense and and man-made opinion. We just take it for what it says. I believe the Lord knew what he was doing. I believe he knew how to write a Word that would transcend time. And that's what we're doing. We're studying his Word. The Porch is an outreach of Solomon's Porch. Go to onsolomonsporch.org. If you would like to contact us, or you could just go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button there as well. There's also ways to support us. We appreciate all of you that do. Make sure you bookmark the Spreaker site if you haven't done that. Pretty soon I'm going to phase out that Blog Talk account, and uh, everything will be done through here. And iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify will still be active. Meeting in Orlando Wednesday, Wednesday weekend of Saturday, July 27th. This is going to be interesting. Uh, Saturday, July 27th. Coming in from out of town, coming on Friday. Uh, get your room at the Rosen Inn Point Orlando for $79 a night plus tax. You can go to the parks. They're right nearby. There's a lot up and down the International Drive where the hotel is. A lot of restaurants, things for the kids to do. Maybe you're just driving in locally and you want to stay there. Well, call them up. Call the Rosen in Point Orlando, 8,999-8585. Tell them you're attending the C Conference with Firefall Media Group. And the booking ID is 68136. Cutoff date for that rate is July 5th. Now, I know many of you told me you're coming, but I contacted the hotel the other day and only one room has been booked. So if you're going to book your room, do it. You can always cancel it in the period of time that they give you. But why would you cancel it? You're coming. Go to firefallmediagroup.com or our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash firefallmediagroup, and let us know you're going to be there. 
We're also believing for sponsorship and support. There are some people that can't be there. They've reached out to me and they want to be able to pay for somebody's room for a night or or help people get there. If you want to sponsor someone or just help us out, go to firefallmediagroup.com, firefalltalkradio.com. You contact me and I'll tell you how to do that. Basically, the best way is use the PayPal donation button and just earmark it for sponsorship for the C Conference. We start out with praise report and prayer request, so I praise the Lord for my home. Praise Him for this room that I can do this in, all the equipment. I praise Him for my wife of 39 years. We just celebrated our 39th wedding anniversary, and we were together for a year after that. So that's four decades. I'm tired. Anyway, uh, I praise him for her. I praise him for our sons and daughter-in-law, our grandson, our furry kids, one of which is Sarah. So please keep her in your prayers, nine-and-a-half-year-old Roddy. And she's having some struggles, but I, I, we are blessed, blessed for every possession, everything he's given us. I praise him for you, for this ministry. He lets me work for my salvation, for choosing me to work in the family business. I praise him that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed, and we can trust him. I can still praise him. I can still rise up, throw my hands towards the heaven, and say, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Lord. Good morning, Holy Spirit. It is awesome to have a relationship with the living God, for being a new creation and living in these prophetic end times. I believe that's what it is. Living here in America, I praise him for that, that we can continue to do this while our brothers and sisters around the world are being slaughtered, persecuted. Uh, The fellowship buildings are being burned. Their homes are being burned. We are blessed. We cannot forget that right now the most persecuted group of religious believers in the world are Christians. Praise him for the signs that he's giving us. He's getting ready to return. So let's get ready. And I praise him for the favor and everything he shares with us so that we can be ready. And therefore, we have to pray. We have to pray for the Middle East. We have to pray for Israel and the peace of Jerusalem, which means we're praying for him to return. We're praying for our Jewish brothers and sisters to come to the life-saving knowledge of HaMashiach and become complete and not have to suffer through the days ahead. I pray for the fatherless and the widows, the innocents, the victims of injustice, in and out of the womb, both human and animal. I pray for them all. pray for, as I said, our brothers and sisters. I pray for the slaughter, pray against the slaughter of the innocents, but I pray for them. Every day, every day you see some horrific event on the news involving a child or a baby. I I pray for divine wholeness, health, and healing, that we can get back to our divine design to fill his calling. The harvest is great, the laborers are few, the same handful of people are doing everything. Come on, remnant, wake up, rise up, answer the call to action. If you can if you've been blessed, then be a blessing. I pray that we would prosper in accordance with his words, that the conduits of his blessings would open and we can go do what he called us to do. Continue to pray for my wife here, Deb in Orlando, continued fervent prayer for her healing and restoration. Let me stop here. Larry and I talked about this the other day. Maybe one night I'll bring him on. We can talk about this. What we do with SRT is pretty serious business. My family can tell you the backlash. And, and I'm not complaining and I'm not griping. But I'll tell you one thing that concerns me. What concerns me is the lack of what I call aerial support. I am asking if you believe in us and in what we do. Don't just shotgun a prayer into the heavenlies. Make it a committed first thing in the morning, last thing at night, maybe sometime during the day. Let the Spirit guide you to keep us covered in prayer, me and the members of the team and their family members. Stacy in Texas, she needs your prayer, folks, for her and her family, uh, for her marriage, for a lot of different things. I'm not going to go into detail here publicly. But she's praying for salvation and healing and deliverance 
for her and her family, for her loved ones. There are a lot of people around her and that she knows that have hurt, they're hurting, and they have no idea that the power of their words, both good and bad, and the, she's praying to be a positive example to that. So she's asking for you to pray for her marriage, for her children, um, for the blessings to flow for her, praying for her husband to be healed of, of the things he needs to be healed from. We all do. We all carry our own set of baggage. So pray for her and her family. Pray for the protection of the children and their, and their safety in everything they do. Give her the wisdom and the courage to endure and stay focused, not be caught up in the, in the battering of the waves of adversity. She's asking for her friend Kim, who we'll pray for next, to be blessed and protected, her and her family, that her husband and her mother would be saved. She's praying that she's asking, like I just did, that SRT would be blessed and provided for at last. So let me add to that so that we can hit the road. We can do what we've been called to do in these end times shine the light, chase the wolves out of the sheep pen. She prays for protection over me and my family, over her and hers, and over all of you. Send the angels. She said, we're ready to fight. Well, I know you are in your heart, Stacey, but I know it's coming. And I'd rather you just hunker down, as we say here in the South, where you are, and get prayed up and stay with your eyes on heaven so you can focus on the Lord, not the giants in the land. Kim is celebrating the second birthday of second birthday of her son Sean Israel, and she's asking that we celebrate this blessing, that we praise the Lord for him with her. He's a miracle to her in so many ways. He's helped heal her heart. So let's say happy birthday, little Sean. We we'd sing happy birthday, but we're not going to do that. Happy birthday. No. Anyway. Um, she said the school year is almost over. She's excited for that. And she's praising the Lord for her life, for her salvation, her sobriety. She's grateful for her family and her children in this ministry. She praises him for everything, which is what we should always do. He provides for us and says, I'm looking forward to July when we meet and pray together in person, which we will. And said, Father, it's exhausting to fight these spirits that I grew up with. Please keep me strong and save my mother's soul, deliver my children and I. Protect my family as well as the Porch's family. Please provide. She needs a financial blessing. So we're praying for breakthrough. Breakthrough, breakthrough. Protect our pets and possessions. Heal our souls. Search our hearts. Father, point out what needs improvement in Jesus' name. So, Lord, you know all these. You know the, you know the end from the beginning. You're not surprised by anything. We may be, but you're not. So right now, we trust you. We come to you. We boldly approach the throne of grace and mercy, saying, Abba, Father, Papa, God, Daddy, we need you. We need you. We need you. We need you. We need a touch in our lives, in our homes, in our families, in our furry kids, in our finances, in our physical, mental, spiritual, emotional well-being. We need you. We need a touch from you. We need you to give the measure of faith to press on. We thank you. We thank you for the blessings that have come. We thank you for the blessings that are coming. Most of all, we thank you for our salvation and sending Yeshua to pay our debt, to pay our blood debt. So thank you, Lord. We love you with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul and spirit and strength, we love you and we praise you. And I'm asking for those that are struggling right now, Lord, that you would bestow upon them that warm feeling of how much you love them. Let it wash over them. 
Holy Spirit, we thank you for walking with us and encouraging us and reminding us of the price that Yeshua paid, reminding us of the cross, reminding us of the empty tomb, and reminding us of the upper room and why you're here and how you're here to help us and to walk with us and encourage us. And I would just ask that anything that's hindering people from receiving the fullness of your gifts and your fruit, that you would shine the light of truth upon it, expose it to them, so that they can repent, be healed, be delivered, and be set free. So now, Lord, bless this time, bless the technology. Have your way with us this night, in Yeshua's name. Amen. These lessons are proprietary information except we're noted that the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information and the manner presented is exclusive and cannot be repeated or reused without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So we're still walking in the spirit. So let's take a walk. Tonight we're going to talk about the voice of the believer. Ephesians 4, starting with verse 4, your Bibles, your apps, whatever you use should be open. You should be following. You should be reading and hearing. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God, and one Father, who is over all and in all and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Messiah. That is why the scriptures say when he ascended to the heights, he led captivity captive, the crowds captive, and gave gifts to his children. It's a comparing to the events of Mount Sinai, the ascension, 40 days after the resurrection, He ascends into heaven, he takes captivity captive, and he sends back the Holy Spirit, giving gifts to his children. The image of the ascended Messiah, triumphant over Hasatan and his fallen angels and his demonic kingdom. In distributing through the Holy Spirit the spiritual gifts necessary to do what he's called us to do in fulfilling the Great great Commission. And the faithful stewardship of of our use of his gifts on earth will determine our position of service in Messiah's messianic reign. Don't forget that there is a reward for diligence. There is a reward for being committed and following through. You can fail. You can fall. He'll pick you up, dust yourself off. You may scuff your knees. You may need some patches on those pants, but you can do it. Because to whom much is given, much is required. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Holy Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Adonai, the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God, the God of all creation, El Elyon, God Most High, who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. It's not just for you. You can't hoard it. It's for all of us. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. The Holy Spirit is available to you. There's no excuse. Keep seeking. Keep learning. Keep doing. Keep including him in your life. The kingdom of God needs you. He wants to use you. You know, we've been talking about this gift of tongues and the controversy around it. We're going to close all that up tonight. Next week we'll get on to prophecy. 
But back in April 3rd, 1960, something took place that set the church world on fire. The late Father Dennis Bennett told his 26,000-member Episcopal congregation at St. Mark's Church in Van Nuys, California, that he had experienced a, quote, personal Pentecost while attending a prayer meeting, the British-born minister had been baptized in the Holy Spirit and began to speak in an unknown language. This is what he said. My tongue tripped just as it might when you're trying to recite a tongue twister, and I began to speak in a new language, he recalled. Right away, I recognized several things. First, it was not some kind of psychological trick or compulsion. There was nothing compulsive about it. It was a new language, not some kind of baby talk. It had grammar and syntax, it had inflection and expression, and it was rather beautiful. Although Father Bennett wasn't the first mainline denominational pastor to experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit, he was the first one to openly share his testimony. The news of his Pentecostal experience even made the newspaper wire services, and it was featured in Time and Newsweek magazine. When the L.A. Times reported on it, they said, The vestry or governing body of St. Mark's warned Bennett not to talk about these beliefs from the pulpit. When the priest broke that promise, one assistant priest threw off his robe and walked out. Confronted by parish officers, Bennett announced his resignation at the last three services that Sunday morning. He said, I was being tried on the spot, later he wrote. Newsweek wrote an article July 4, 1960, called The Rector and the Rumpus. Actually, gave wide positive exposure to the controversy in Van Nuys. Basically, he got fired, he got run out of town, but he was offered a job in Seattle to become the rector of a small, failing, about-to-be-closed Episcopal church. Twelve years later, That small, failing Episcopal church that was about to be closed became one of the strongest churches in the Northwest, and he continued to talk about the charismatic gifts and his experience and encouraged churchgoers to have similar experiences as well. St. Luke's congregation size quadrupled, and the renewal and the spread of the fire, this wildfire of the Holy Spirit, spread all over the United States, virtually every major Protestant tradition, Baptists, Lutherans, Mennonites, Methodists, Presbyterians were receiving in the uh, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I remember Pastor Shelley telling me when he was, during that period of time, he was the pastor of a Methodist church. He was praying in the church one night, and the Holy Spirit hit him, took him off his feet, and he got up. He was speaking in tongues. He became one of the forerunners of spiritual warfare in the United States. But Newsweek article even said, The early Christians were much impressed by the phenomenon known as glossolalia, literally speaking with tongues, which appeared at the first Pentecost. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. To the skeptical, the other tongues sounded like gibberish, but the faithful found special meanings in the spontaneous outpouring of sounds. Newsweek goes on to say, Peter saw the gift of tongues in a group of Gentiles as evidence that the Holy Ghost was present and that they should be baptized forthwith. Peter cited cited it as a notable Christian gift, and though he added himself, this is Paul saying, I thank my God to speak with tongues more than all of you. He, of course, Paul Newsweek goes on to explain Paul's warned in the first letter of the Corinthians not to let it get out of hand. The practice lasted until about the third century, which coincides exactly with when the church was taken over by Constantine and tradition and put into basilicas. But it made its way back into the U.S. churches and even among the Episcopalians who Newsweek called God's frozen people. Actually, they're called the frozen chosen. Anyway, that was positive reporting that would never happen today. But here's the thing. It is the voice of the Lord. It is the voice of the Holy Spirit. But it is the believer's voice 
that they use. A person has to do the speaking. They have to freely allow their vocal cords and their vocal apparatus, their mouth, whatever, to be used. The Holy Spirit gives utterance. Holy Spirit gives the message. You are enabled by the Spirit to do it, but you must still do it. As I've shared before, glossolalia is the highest form of communication between man and God. It is the language of divine prayer and praise. It's prayer to praise, prayer and praise to God, both in English and in a heavenly language. It goes beyond the mind, but comes from the heart and the spirit. It's beyond the hosannas and the hallelujahs, which can be very powerful. It is praising him in the language of the Spirit, in a language that even the angels understand. Now, it doesn't replace your regular prayer language, which is whatever your human language is. It is in addition to. You're praying in the Spirit or you're praying with the Spirit. And since it's not coming from your mind and it's coming from your born-again heart, it can be done at all times. I know, because I can do it. I can speak in tongues in my head. I can speak it out loud. I can speak it in my bed. I can speak it wearing red. I can speak it sitting in a chair or breathing air. Yes, that was some spiritual doctor suits. Because right now I'm excited about the fact that the creator of the universe has considered us worthy enough to not only shed his blood for us, not only to pay the price for us, but to give us his creative power, the same sound and voice and dunamis that spoke and created everything, even the angels themselves, and he has given it access to us. 1 Corinthians fourteen fifteen. I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with understanding. The purpose of these gifts, the purpose of sharing this with you, is whether in private or in public, in fellowship meetings, Paul explains the importance of those things. But he also speaks out against using it to draw attention to yourself or as some kind of personal selfish action. The ideal, the ideal moment of prayer for me and when I pray with my brother Larry or I'm praying with Shelly or whatever is I can pray with the Spirit, I can pray from my mind. I know what I'm saying even when I speak in tongues. I've reached a maturity of of my relationship with the Holy Spirit that even spontaneously as it flows out of me, I am translating it in my head. So whether you're singing in the Spirit, whether you're singing in English, whether you're singing in your heavenly language, It's important. It should occupy an important place in your life and your worship meeting. You shouldn't be afraid to do it, but you also shouldn't be showing off when you do it. I know I've shared this this with you, and we've talked about it, but during the Wales Revival, as people waited to get inside, as they stood in line, they would begin to sing spontaneous songs in the Spirit. And the people that were inside the small church would begin to sing in response. And many of our great hymns and worship songs today came from that spontaneous expression of singing in the Spirit. Holy Spirit wrote those songs. Yes, men may have put them to paper. They may have had the musical notes to them. But if you've never been around true, Spirit-led, spirit-filled, seeking in the Spirit, it is from another level. You know that it's from heaven. It shouldn't be irrational, but it also shouldn't be so controlled. You, You just have to let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. It's not your forsaking, you know, uh, your common sense or your intelligence. It's just allowing him to use you. 
It can be emotional, and that's where it goes wrong, where people allow their emotions to take over, and and they add to it, or they uh, they put on what I call the dog and pony show. I can always spot that. I can always hear it. It offends me just like it does other people. But I won't go so far as to criticize it or criticize the people that do it. I'll let the Spirit deal with that. But we need to walk in the Spirit. The enemy is so far ahead of us right now in that regard, so far ahead of much of the church. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to have his way. And this gift is one of the least understood amongst believers. Mentioned 35 times in the Bible. That's a lot. God does not fill his book with things that are not important. If he talks about something 35 times, you think we might want to pay attention. And most of the people who have never spoken in tongues speak as though they're experts in the field. You know what an expert is. An ex is a has-been, a spurt's a drip under pressure. And many of these people are spurts. They have a theory, they have an opinion, but they have no knowledge. Well, I do speak in tongues. So I believe I have both personal, experiential, and scriptural wisdom on this particular topic. Paul said that he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies, we're going to go there next, edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets, that the church may receive edification. So if Paul has a positive affirmation of it, if the scripture has a positive affirmation of it, why is it so controversial? So you may ask, what does it do for me? What does speaking in tongues do for me, Richard? Well, it does what the Bible says. He who speaks in tongues edifies himself. That word edify is to be a house builder. It's to build up your house. It's to build up that temple. It's to construct or, or to embolden, to empower you. The Holy Spirit will build up. He will empower. He will bolster. He will vitalize you. Much like charging a battery or plugging a machine into a power source. So where do these tongues come from? Come from heaven. Paul calls them the tongues of angels. I've had experiences, I'm not going to go too far into this, of encountering, you know, with what I do, I encounter a lot of things in the spirit and in this reality. And normally I do what I always do. I test the spirits. I ask them who Yeshua is. Ask them who Yeshua is to them. I had an encounter one time, and this giant being, just giant, I say he was six, seven feet, six foot five. He was up there, bigger than I was. Big, burly-looking thing. And he just looked at me, and I kept asking him, who is Jesus to you? He just looked at me. I began to speak at him, quoting scriptures, speaking some of the power scriptures. Finally, finally, I just got so frustrated I didn't know what else to do. I spoke to him in my heavenly language. And he threw his arms up. He smiled, and I could hear inside my head. He says, finally, something I understand. And he ran and grabbed me in a bear hug, and he hugged me. And I realized, well, this is one of the good guys. But it took a heavenly language to get him to understand what I was saying. The Lord sent us out into all the world to preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes is baptized, is saved, doesn't believe they're condemned. And these signs follow those who believe. In his name they will cast out demons and they will speak with new tongues. That word new. It means in a tongue or a language they'd never spoken before. If it's a language that they knew or have knowledge of, it wouldn't be new, would it? It's a new language for a new birth. Remember, if one is born of water and the Spirit, unless they're born of water and the Spirit, they can't enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of Spirit is Spirit. You must be born again and 
If you're going to be born again, then the sound and the language and the way you're going to speak is going to change, or at least it should. This new tongue, this new language, this new ability to communicate to God, to man, to let the Spirit speak through you, that's being a new creation. And that's what everyone is who is born of the Spirit. Yeshua, when he was on the Mount of Olives, before he took off, uh, I, I know he rose to heaven, I just, before he took off, he said, you heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Of course, they wanted to know when he was going to restore the kingdom to Israel. He's putting the focus on them. Hey, guys, I need you to do something for me. And they wanted to know, well, when are you going to do something for us? It's not for us to know times or seasons or what the Father has in his own authority. We have received the power of the Holy Spirit, just like with the disciples. It came upon them, and they were called to be witnesses to Yeshua in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the end of the earth. And then we know that on the day of Pentecost, when it fully came, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came what? A sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It didn't say it was a rushing mighty wind. It said it was the sound of one. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Of course, people could hear it outside. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one that sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. From the sound of a rushing mighty wind to the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the form of a tongue, he gave them a new language. He gave them a new ability to preach the gospel. The sound of heaven. We're going to be talking about that in July. We're going to be talking about the way we've been designed. It's going to be information I've never shared before, new information, new revelation that the Lord has shown me in the scriptures. They were endued. They were soaked into. They were changed. Are you changed? There's no condemnation here. I'm just asking you, if you had to take a look at yourself spiritually and say, am I changed? Am I different? Were you still dragging the same old bag of rocks of all your wounds, of all your hurts, of all the failures, of everything you did wrong, everything somebody told you that you did wrong? Are you still carrying them around? Let them go. The Spirit wants to use you, but he can't use you if he has to compete with all of that. Power on high was meant to make the church, his church, his called out people, his voice to the world and to each other and to give us a voice to speak back to him. The amazing thing about that experience on Pentecost, which mimicked the event on Mount Sinai, is that you have the wind, which is impersonal. Even the people outside heard it. But then you have the speaking, which was personal, and they not only heard it, but they heard it in their own language. Speaking in tongues means you've given up control. Oh, yes, people can fake it. I've heard fake tongues. I've heard demonic tongues. I know the difference. Satan counterfeits everything that heaven does. But we need to understand if we're going to be his voice and if we're going to have our own spiritual voice, then we need to guard our tongues. See, the tongue is a little member, and it boasts great things. A great forest fire can be kindled by a little fire, and the tongue is a fire. It's a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among the members that it can defile the whole body. It can set on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell itself. We can tame all these animals, but we can't tame our tongue. It can be unruly, it can be evil, and it can be full of poison. You know, social media has become 
a poisonous, poisonous town. Oh, it has some elements that are useful, but for the most part, it's toxic. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Social media has given people a voice that we're never supposed to have one. If God's going to use us, if he's going to use our tongues, then he needs to be able to control it, and he needs to be able to change the language. So the twofold miracle wasn't just the speaking that day, it was also the hearing. Unknown tongues, a new language, a new calling, a new word to the world, a new experience to the world. Can you be saved? And not speak in tongues. Yeah, I've met people that were saved and didn't speak in tongues. Took me from the time that I got saved in October of 88. It wasn't until the end of March the following year that I began to speak in tongues. But the experiences aren't the same. Sometimes it happened at salvation. We know in Acts 5 when Philip preached to the Samaritans about Messiah, they got saved and were baptized and received the Spirit and began to speak in tongues. We also know that in Acts 19, when Paul went to Ephesus and he found disciples, he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, uh, we have not as much heard that whether there is a Holy Spirit. He found out they had been baptized into the concept of John's repentance. They'd not been baptized in fire. Paul laid hands on them. Spirit came upon them. They spoke with other tongues and prophesied. They'd been believers for a while. The Lord can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. He'll do it his way. Maybe there's something keeping people from doing it. I know for me, it had to come from my heart because when my mind got in the way, I took back control. It wasn't until my mind was out of the way and my heart filled with compassion and love and grief that he was able to pray and speak through me. I I don't understand the issue. I really don't. I mean, I'm going to talk about it here in a second. It's not a substitute for the fruit. You know that I say that the fruit of the Spirit love, joy, peace, so on, must work with the gifts of the Spirit. They must work in tandem. Love must be the thing that bridges them both. An immature believer can be used by the Holy Spirit, can move in the gifts. I know I was immature. The Lord used me anyway. I was willing. But maturity will come. Correction will come. Proper use of the gifts will come. But then there is some very famous Bible teacher, John MacArthur, says this. And I'm not promoting him. I'm not a fan of him. I wouldn't cross the street to hear what he had to say. It is not biblical to say that speaking in tongues is a sign of receiving the Holy Spirit. And if you haven't spoken in tongues, you haven't received the Holy Spirit, that's not biblical. It's not even biblical to encourage people to speak in tongues, as if that in and of itself was some spiritual gift that everybody had to have. It's not biblical to believe that God is going to heal you. It's not biblical to believe that some people have the power to heal. All of those supposed manifestation of tongues were identified with groups that were heretical, fanatical, or otherwise unorthodox. The judgment of biblically orthodox believers who were their contemporary was that all of those groups were aberrations. Surely that should also be the assessment of any Christian who is concerned with the truth. Thus we conclude that from the end of the apostolic era to the beginning of the 20th century, there were no genuine occurrences of the New Testament gifts of tongues. They have ceased as the Spirit said they would. The gift of tongues is not for today. John MacArthur, Charismatic Chaos, 1992. MacArthur went even further in its criticisms and attack in a 2013 book called Strange Fire. And while he made valid points about the extremes and the error, he vilified an entire section of the church with his opinion and angry personal attacks and stereotypes. 
Others, like R.C. Sproul, as well as MacArthur, attack those who move in the gifts as being, quote, pagan. Check it out for yourself. I'm not making this up. Isn't it interesting that all these men that think like that, first, they, came, they all came out of Dallas Theological Seminary, and they're all what I call eggheads. They're all caught up in their mind and their intellect and their degrees and the letters before and after their name. So my question is, how is the church going to get back in order? How is it going to get back to the productivity of the Book of Acts church if we refuse to recognize his word? If we refuse to accept that it is normal, it is believable, it is possible, and it's still active. The church age has not ended. There's still a job to do. The Holy Spirit is still here. He's taken permanent residence. He's abiding with us. And if he's here, then the manifestation of the fruit and the gifts are here with him. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they cast out demons that will speak with new tongues. Here's how I feel about it. And I heard Ben Kinchlow say this once. Paul's teachings are what we call Pauline principles. But if at any time something the Lord says supersedes it, then we must go by the red-letter basics. But Paul did not teach that tongues would cease until the Lord came back. If you read what he says and you put it in the proper context of what he said with everything before and after it, it will cease When the Lord comes back, when that which is imperfect becomes perfect, it didn't cease with the end of the last church or age or the last apostle dying. That's my belief is that just men making excuses for the fact why they don't, why don't they, they don't move in any power. They can't lay hands on sick, on somebody that's sick and they could be healed. They've never cast out a demon. They would wet their depends if they ever had to deal with a demon. Acts 2, 2 through 4, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts 10, 45, Paul talks, Peter talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit being poured out on the Gentiles because they heard them speak with tongues and manify God. Acts 19, 6, Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, they spoke with tongues and prophesied it. 1 Corinthians 14.18, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. 14.22, therefore tongues are a sign not for those who believe, but for unbelievers. Prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. 14.39, do not forbid to speak in tongues. Jude verse 20, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit, don't speak in tongues. Of course, do it in an orderly manner. Speaking the mysteries of God to rather to men. Tongue edifies the speaker. Tongue, come on, people. It's a gift. It's a gift from heaven. I, I can't even imagine the logic of the fact that we have a loving Father through his Holy Spirit that gave us something and that he would take it away. It has to be received with childlike faith. You have to be willing to be used. You have to be willing to put aside your Ph.D., and all of your intellectual notions and your religious spirit and be willing to be humbled before him to get off their intellectual high horses. He's taken permanent residence with us. And whenever the Lord is present, whenever God is present from Mount Sinai to Mount Carmel to Mount Zion, to now. The fire and the sound is there. Philo was a Jewish writer, a contemporary of Yeshua. And he talked about the tradition concerning Sinai. And I want to ask you if this sounds familiar. It was the father of the universe who delivered those ten maxims or oracles or laws and enactments as they truly are to, to the whole assembled nation of men and women all together. He, at that time, wrought a most conspicuous and evidently holy miracle, commanding an invisible sound to be created in the air, which fashioned the air and stretched it out and changed it into a kind of flaming fire. You do know that light is sound that we can see. 
and sound so forth so loud and articulate voice like a breath passing through a trumpet. The power of God breathing forth vigorously aroused and excited a new kind of miraculous voice. And diffusing its sound in every direction made the end more conspicuous at a distance than the beginning, implanting in the soul of each individual another hearing, the flame being endowed with articulate speech in a language familiar to the hearers. He's talking about Mount Sinai, but he just described the day of Pentecost. I know that there are the critics out there. I've had people attack me. I've had people disconnect with me on social media. I, I lost so much sleep. Um, the, there's a job to do. The world's dying. The enemy's running amok. He's giving his people power, and he's giving them abilities, and the church is sitting on their spiritual cushions with their hands tucked underneath their legs like Either that or they have their eyes covered, their ears covered, their mouth covered. And they don't see, they don't hear, they don't do. These vocal gifts which we've been talking about are the functional way to walk in the Spirit. There are times you just don't know what to say. There are times you just get to the end of yourself. And these groans take you over. And the next thing you know, like Father Bennett said, there is syntax. There is, is this flowing of a sound that you know is a language, and the Spirit takes over. And basically he's going, hey, let me, let me pray for you. Over the last week, I've been interceding and praying about a lot of different things, a lot of stuff going on. And yesterday, as, as I was praying here in the studio, I said, you know what, Holy Spirit, I, I don't know what to say anymore. I don't I don't know. So I'm just going to let you take over. I'm going to let you take my voice to the throne room. And he did. He took over. I know that when I was getting saved, the war from my soul took a lot. And I had the Lord tell me that even during that period of time, even though Shelley and my wife and my brother-in-law John and this huge, powerful church were praying, it took others interceding. And he told me that men and women all over the world didn't even know who I was, didn't know who they were interceding for, were praying in the Spirit for me as the battle went on for my soul. And now I pitch in and I do that as well. So the vocal gifts are for both the church and the world. The Spirit of God and the voice of the church, the voice of the Spirit becomes the voice of the believer. And from the beginning, the gifts have been manifested in the church. They've been inspired by love and infused by the Holy Spirit to get people saved, healed, and delivered and to prepare the way for the return of the king. 14, 14.1 of 1 Corinthians, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Well, we know that love holds it all together, but especially that you may prophesy. Tongues, interpretation, and prophecy are for the inspiration and edification of his body called the church. And through prophecy, through, through that gift, the Spirit touches the sensitive spots, reveals what's secret, brings conviction, inspires worship and encouragement, and stimulates action. And how will we know? How will we know any of that if the Spirit doesn't speak, where the Spirit has been made silent because the church has gone silent? Well, the church may not want to see, the church may not want to hear, the church may not want to speak, but the remnant does. So this concept of tongues, and what I'm talking about specifically tonight, is the personal one that edifies both you and your body and your soul and your spirit. 
and it allows a direct flow of communication between you and God. And the end result, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, all the gifts that are listed, including tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. It makes us dangerous. It makes us dangerous to the flesh, makes us dangerous to the world, and definitely makes us dangerous to Hasatan and his kingdom of darkness. So I have a question. Without the convicting presence of the Holy Spirit, without his ability to call out the secrets or the hidden things in the church, without his ability to speak things about the enemy and the world that only he would know, without that, the enemy has infiltrated, the world has infiltrated, and it has taken over the church because it knows nobody's going to stand up and call it out. Nobody's going to point a finger. Nobody's going to read their mail. So my question then becomes, who benefits from removing this gift from the church? Remember one time back in the early 90s when I worked for the Department of Education, a young girl had just started working there, and she was a dyed-in-the-wool Baptist, and she asked me right, right out, are you one of those people that speak in tongues? I didn't answer. I just said, so why you ask me that? And she had just heard some teaching and went on and on and on. So I bought her a book by a former Baptist preacher that, like Dr. Father Bennett, had been filled with the Spirit. And he confronted all of her Baptist theological beliefs. And she read the book, and she came back, and she still wasn't sold. But then I asked her the question I just asked you. Who benefits from removing this from the church? And the light bulb went off in her head. She said, well, I, I guess if you're right, the enemy does. I said, that's right. They do. She got herself transferred, and we never had that conversation again because I had backed her into a corner. And so now I'm doing that to you. And I'm doing it to the church, and I'm doing it to the world, and I'm doing it to people like John MacArthur and R.C. Sproul who benefits from believing that the gifts are dead, or actually the only gift they think is dead is tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. Faith is still one of the gifts, and it's still present. Well, nobody can get healed. Well, because you want to make an excuse for why you've never healed anybody, why the Lord's never used you to heal anybody, why you've never been able to give somebody an encouraging word, to give them a word of prophecy, or speak into their lives the presence and the love of God. So, Father, I just come to you now, and I ask you to make the case. And I ask you to make that case by stirring the Spirit up within people. And if they don't have it, let it fall upon them. Take away their excuses. Take away their arguments. Take away their ability. Confound them, as you had to do with me, to use them. Let your fire flow from us to the world. Let your spirit speak to us, Lord. Speak to us now. Reveal your true prophets in the land. Show us your holy fire. And let us go do what you've called us to do. Lay hands on the sick so that they can recover. Cast out demons raise the dead, speak in new tongues, give people messages from the throne room, and get our own as well. Father, we want to hear your sound. We want to hear that sound. We want to hear the mighty rushing wind. We want to feel the touch of the fire. Lord, I want to live in that fire. I want to walk in that fire. I want to leave scorch marks in the Spirit everywhere I go because of that fire. And let everyone who's listening in demonic bondage, saved, unsaved, whatever it is, let the fire of the Holy Spirit just envelop you right now and burn you clean of all the things that are left behind from your past, all the attachments to the world, all the ancestral curses and, and hindrances and the chains. Let them all be burned and melted in the purifying fire of the Holy Spirit and change us, Lord. 
Change us. Change us. Change us so that we can be used by you in these times. Because we want to see your face. We want to see you again, Lord. And the one sound we want to hear is that sound of the heavenly shofar. The shout of the archangel of God. And I pray these things. In the name above all names. The name of Yeshua HaMashiach. Jesus, the Messiah, King of kings, and Lord of lords. If you believe and you agree, just say amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grun. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. Advancements in the medical field are giving nurses faster, more effective results than ever before. They should expect the same from their education, too. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format allows you to set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move faster through your program. So the faster you move, the more money you save. When you're ready, we'll be here. Visit capella.edu for a trial course at no cost to you. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. Advancements in the medical field are giving nurses faster, more effective results than ever before. They should expect the same from their education, too. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format allows you to set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move faster through your program. So the faster you move, the more money you save. When you're ready, we'll be here. Visit capella.edu for a trial course at no cost to you. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter.